Hi, welcome to Off the Charts. I'm Andy Smith. I'm your host. I'm here with Emily Weber, who's our producer. Hello. Today we're going to talk to uh, Dr. John Kelly, and I've known Dr. Kelly probably 15 or 20 years, and I got to know him when I was a public relations person, and he would do any interview that I asked him to do. <laughs> but he was a, uh, sort of as you'll hear, he was a favorite of the reporters because he is quite the comedian. And oh, he's a yes. great, yeah, great comedian, and... Um, really good at interviews, uh, has a thought on almost everything. So you met him at Temple. I met him at Temple. But he's since transferred to Penn. Yep, he is now an orthopedic surgeon at uh, for Penn Medicine, also in Philadelphia. Uh, I think he specializes in shoulders, but just a great all-around guy, like a mm-hmm. uh, guy you just want to have a beer with. <laughs> and you could. You could go, you you could go to his family him. tavern and have a beer. He yeah, does, you'll, you'll hear yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, this is my first time meeting him ever, and he was... I keep going back to Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. I just keep thinking of, of that, that style. Of, oh, my God. There's a couple of pauses where it takes both of us, Andy and me, it takes both of us like three seconds to put the joke together because <laughs> he's, he's just one after the other. Oh, he's yeah. funny. But he, you know, he has a lot of interesting things to say. He's yeah. um, much more than an orthopedic surgeon. He talks about happiness and marriage and children and sports and all kinds of things. He writes a column for, what journal is it? Yeah, it's a medical journal. Uh, I'm not sure which one. In his field, I think, too, right? In orthopedics? I think it's like a quarterly thing, but Mm -hmm. he talks about mindfulness and happiness. and For physicians, for surgeons. How to avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, So just an interesting guy all around. Yeah, great interview. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Off the charts. Enjoy Dr. John Kelly. Can we talk about my drinking first? Yeah, let's talk about your drinking. Okay. Because I haven't uh, talked to you in about 10 years, so. No, that's... Is that still a problem, that drinking? No, I'm, <laughs> I, I, have, I have more relatives in the program than Dublin. <laughs> Wait, you're Irish? Hello. <laughs> so you were going to tell me something about turning 50. I turned 50. I'm 59 now. I never told people my age. I would tell them my social security number is six. I'm so old. When I was a kid, the Dead Sea was just sick. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of feel like you don't grow up to your 50s, honestly, because you just learn. I'm doing my best surgery now, too, in my late, in my late 50s, almost 60, because you just, it's all about wisdom and experience. And, and obviously, you have to stay in shape and take care of your health, which is, I think, why we're here today. What were you doing before you uh, came to this interview? What procedures were you doing today? Uh, shoulders, my passion. I did, yeah. uh, I think, three or four shoulders today, a knee and a hip. Wow. Something like that. So it's all good. You know, it's one of the things we can talk about for stress management for and to avoid burnout is to find meaning in what you do. And you just look at it as, uh, you know, help six people today. You know, to help six people with pain. So it just makes you feel much more gratified saying, oh, another case. Oh, my gosh. It's the good time it is. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, very few people can say um, at the end of the day they really made a material difference in six people's lives just in one day. Mm-hmm. Now, I always knew you as for the humor. I know, I but looks, looks, aren't, looks aren't everything. <laughs> but, I, I was so ugly as a kid, my uh, mother fed me with a slingshot. <laughs> uh, my middle name is Quits. You know, we were born, well, my twin brother and I, we were born, my mom and dad looked at us and looked at each other and said, let's call it Quits. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what are you doing with the humor, the comedy these days? Well, uh, when I turned 50, uh, which, which is over nine years ago, I said, what am I going to do with this? I was doing like um, benefits and uh, medical gigs. And I mm-hmm. said, let's see what happens if I just go on a tour. So I had a buddy of mine had an inn at a club down Wildwood. And he had guest spots. So I started doing guest spots. And then the guest spots got bigger and more more popular, I guess. And I started getting gigs elsewhere. And I had a couple uh, mentors along the way. And now I'm happy to say I do a fair number of medical things. And, and I don't take any money. It's all benefits. I'm doing a benefit next month for uh, uh, parents who lost their child to leukemia. And then the following, or maybe the following week, I'm doing our, our church's uh, golf outing. It's all fun. I remember you used to hold. You were the uh, MC for the medical staff golf outing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, and I'm clean. You know, it's hard to be in a Catholic comedian, but uh, you can do it. You know, the uh, I. Uh, Is it always about medicine or not? No, no, no. I have this saying: green and clean. I do a lot of Irish humor, okay. and a lot of a lot of medical stuff. But I kind of make fun of my uh, Irish Catholic background and being raised by the nuns and. Sister Mike Tyson, first grade. <laughs> Sister Larry Holmes, second, who was 26-0 and 0 with 24 knockouts. Yeah. And that was back in the day when time out meant you're out cold. Yeah. So yeah. I joke about that. And, the, and the, you know, the whole Irish thing. I mean, you get a lot of... I'm so Irish, my first breath was point two. <laughs> it's endless, right? It's endless, but it's clean. You know, when I see uh, these comedians... They drop all these F-bombs. There's, there's no need for that. There's no creativity. There's no uh, abstractions. It's just a F this, F that. You know, humor should be, uh, you know, ironic and uh, edifying. Mm-hmm. Edifying. I think, you know, I'm not there to take pot shots. No, you just uh, save zone is self-deprecating. I take shots myself, you know, uh, the Irish thing and I'm the medical. Curious. You know, as much as I've known you, I've never been in the operating room with you. I've never been in the patient room with you. Do you use humor a lot? Absolutely. I, I mean, I have to think you do. Absolutely. You know, uh, when people see a surgeon, they're always nervous. Yeah. And it's something uh, that can really put the patient at ease. It has to be appropriate humor, though. You don't say, ha, 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 you're losing your leg today. No. You say to things like, what's um, um, we doing today here? <laughs> or, um we doing the facelift first or you know just little things like that can put a patient at ease and you have to feel your patients out not everyone's ready for it mm-hmm. that's the gift that I think I have is who's ready for a joke an appropriate joke and humor has to be edifying and uh, I was raised by the nuns and I'm proud of that honestly because I think I have a good sense of values through my parents and the nuns but uh, a priest told me years ago that humor is a gift of uh, God you know should you be used to build people up and I can guarantee I've worked many clubs. The guys, I, I'm proud to say I do B pluses, A minuses. The guys that maybe get A pluses with the F bombs, I guarantee that crowd doesn't feel as good when they leave that room. They may laugh for a while, but yeah. it's it's dark humor and uh, it's it's uh, draining versus edifying. I would say Andy Smith is so smart. His IQ is higher than my malpractice premiums, you know, something like that. <laughs> so you can use humor to build someone up and not tear them down. Do you find most patients appreciate it? Or? Yeah, they do it. We have to look for cues. And, um, yeah, you must be pretty good at reading people. I, I read people. I, I try, you know, I've made some mistakes. And, you know, a stock line I have is uh, when someone brings their wife in, um, say, uh, is this your oldest daughter? You know, which 
And one time doesn't I work uh, with doesn't work with everybody because <laughs> I had a guy who was probably his fourth or fifth wife, uh, uh, and she was so young when she signed a consent form. I said, "Here's the crayon, signed here." Uh, but uh, he got very indignant, and I knew it was his wife, but she was much younger, so you had to be careful. And I learned mistakes, but I think for every twenty times I make someone happy, maybe one goes a little bit off. But I still think it's worth going forward and you know risking and making people happy. Are people surprised by it though? I mean. Yeah, because they... get a different reception from younger or older. I mean, the older people maybe think of, my doctor needs to be Marcus Welby. Yeah, but it has to be... uh, I think it works in all all, uh, sort of walks of life because most of the old folks, a lot of them are just down, depressed. The young kids are open to it. The middle-aged ones are stressed out. They're working hard. So I I really think it applies to all. It just has to... You have to really uh, find your spots... And as my dad taught me, my dad was a comedian. This is genetics. It's it's all about timing. Yeah. Timing. And uh, you do it from a loving perspective to build them up. Well, you're in a specialty, too, with orthopedics. <clears throat> I have to think people come to you, and you say they're down. I mean... And they're nervous. Knee, knee problems, hip problems, shoulder problems. Those are very limiting. So I imagine you see people all the time yeah. who can't do what they want to do anymore. They Absolutely. can't run. They can't pick up their grandchildren so I would think it would naturally lead to sort of a depression well it's it's you ever see Rocky 3 I think it says Mr. T what's your prediction in this fight prediction pain (laughs) most people see us for pain and they're also nervous seeing an orthopedic surgeon so they're going to say oh my gosh this is going to be painful and well it's going to be uncomfortable but in this day and age of anesthesia nerve blocks is much less and minimally invasive that's why I was drawn to arthroscopic surgery because mm-hmm. it's much less painful but by and large people come to your clinic because they're in pain and when you mention the word surgery they get very nervous which is an appropriate response you know I tell folks if you like surgery then I'll send you down the hall to our site clinic but um it's an appropriate response, and I think a little bit of humor in the right scenario can go a long way in easing their tensions. Um, I had a patient the other day that had an ACL I was doing, and I walked in, and they said, what's the matter? I said, well, um, I'm, this surgery really scares me. And I said, well, I had an ACL surgery. I said, don't worry, I had it done before. She, the patient looked at me and goes, yeah, but you didn't have the same surgeon. Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, now, it, it does usually work, and sometimes I'll, sometimes patients will ask me to pray with them, and I'll do that too, mm-hmm. if they see a cue or if I see an opening, that if they ask for that. But uh, it's all about uh, intention, becoming intentional and wanting them to feel better. So even if you make a little errant comment, uh, at least your heart's in the right spot, you can correct course immediately and um, you know say something kind. Now, you do that way in the OR too? Well, the OR, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's business, but... I try to be in the zone, and the best way you can be in the zone, I took a course, uh, and I preached, I try to teach this in my writings on, on mindfulness, living in the moment, and uh, you know, one of the best ways to get people in the moment is to use comedy, focus on the now, say something funny, and it's a great way to relax in the staff. You know, oftentimes with the nursing uh, education format, they're always rotating through different rooms, so oftentimes I have a new nurse, and I say, oh my gosh, is this guy going to yell? And I say, well, first of all, I'm never going to yell, I married a nurse. And secondly, we do our best work when we're relaxed. So I'm going to, my, as quote, captain of the ship, my job is to keep this room in a good mind frame so people don't start throwing things and swearing and, uh, you know, taking out, uh, taking their frustrations out. So we all do our best work when we're happy. And that's one of the paradigms of stress management is that happy doctors get better care. Mm-hmm. So the question you have to ask yourself every day is, how happy am I? And if I'm not, why not? What's out of balance? So a happy or gives good results. 
happy surgeons do better work. Happy nurses do their best work as well. Now, I haven't seen you probably in about 10 years. In my, in my 20s. Are you happy? I am happy. And I work at, I work at it, though. Happiness is an inside job. And, um, you know, I am very cautious uh, with the choices I make. I uh, take care of myself. I put rest at a premium. Um, I'm absolutely uh, dedicated to my marriage. I work in my marriage. Uh, I'm dedicated to a higher power in the terms of uh, principles, trying to do the right thing. Uh, and if I get in a little bit of funk, I try to realize, okay, what's in my life that's out of kilter? Um, and I'm very close to the big guy. So all those things, I think, converge, you know, with exercise, wellness, managing your emotions. The, the two key principles of stress management are managing your emotions and your relationships. If those two things are in order, the other stuff's sort of like window dressing, you know, the exercise, nutrition, that's all good. But emotions and relationships. I could do seven or great, eight great cases, and if my wife's mad at me, it means nothing. That's interesting. Hmm. means nothing. Yeah. Now, I know your faith, I always remember was yeah. important to you. Very important and to me. It seems to me I remember you talking about saying prayers in the operating room or... Well, I think I've become more of an enlightened Catholic instead of a neurotic Catholic. I think I'm more in the spiritual sense instead of like having to say so many Hail Marys and acts of contritions. I think probably just sort of a letting go and resigning to a higher power. And you get that in mindfulness, living in the moment. You know, can't experience your higher power when you're thinking... When you're somewhere else, when you're totally immersed in the moment, then that's when you feel something bigger than yourself take over. And that's why I'm doing my best work now. You come from a big family? I forget. Um, my parents had three uh, three kids, one of each. <laughs> and uh, no, there are three of us. I have a twin brother, uh -huh. identical twin. He's a very handsome guy. Uh -huh. And I have a younger sister. What does he do out of curiosity? Uh, he's a lawyer, but he's a he's an enlightened lawyer. He didn't he didn't go to the dark side. He's a good guy. Does a lot of pro bono work, mm -hmm. and is, I'm happy to say probably the best trial lawyer uh, that I know. I mean, he's just a bulldog in the courtroom. He's absolutely brilliant, and he doesn't like to lose. Those three things converge to make a good trial lawyer. Gets a little bit too uh, worked up over trials, I think, at time, but uh, but he's always takes every case seriously because he's fighting for his client. So wait, so it's you, your twin brother, and, and a younger sister, sister so who is, is she a failure or something. Or? No, no, she's she's an attorney and she's a realtor. She's uh, of all three of us, she's got the most, I think, uh, ebullient personality. And uh, I keep telling her she should be doing more comedy, but she just doesn't want to do it. But I mean, you put her in a room, she would have the whole room just like just dying in about fifteen minutes. I mean. She makes Rosie O'Donnell look like a drip, seriously. But she just never had the voc the calling to, to go on stage for some reason, for some mysterious reason. My twin brother does a lot of legal events, and uh, you know he's got a great uh, sense of timing as well. And, it's, and a lot of it's just genetic and gifts. And being raised in our family uh, of origin, my father was a comedian, and then and every every meal we had was a monologue. I bet. You know, like uh, I can picture your uh, your dinners. Oh my gosh, there was just... Your dad owned a bar, right? My dad owned a bar, and uh, we just redecorated, put all new drunks in, looks really nice. <laughs> Is that bar still going? It's still going. It's a little bit of a, a little uh, disrepair, and I walked in the other day, I said, where's the men's room? And then my brother looked at me and said, you're in it. <laughs> but it's still, it's the oldest family-run business bar in America in 1889. Really? 1889. Wilmington, right? Wilmington. Delaware? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that fact. Yeah, it is. Oldest family-owned bar in America. So who runs it on a daily basis? My twin brother runs it, but he has a manager. But he's 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 the uh, sole business uh, like proprietor, and he does a great great job, great job. It's a 
it's in my blood. Yeah. Uh, my my grandfather was Always raised. My yeah, really. My grandfather was raised there. My uh, great grandfather started it, and he raised his children on the second floor of the bar. Imagine that. Imagine being raised in a bar. That's literally my grandfather's story. Mm-hmm. And he became a teetotaler, and I think that's probably why. Interesting. He, he probably saw why. Uh, you know what alcohol can do, and it, it actually, it's a bar with a conscience too. Because my dad, when he ran it, if someone had too much, he would he would take them home. He would have them stop. And he was the vanguard of the downtrodden. Anyone picked on a customer, he would. He was a quite a character. My dad was a Marine Corps boxer, and he would. Uh, um, unfortunately, he'd be called upon his skills more than we would like to talk about. And so, you were a football player, though, right? As well, player many pounds ago. Uh, and another life, and he, my dad made us box, and you know I think the character building and the wrestling, and but I played ball, and um, probably the reason I went North Peaks is because of a bad knee injury I had in college. That was uh, about 40 years and 30 steroids ago, um, but I was so big back then I had stretch marks on my teeth. Ooh. Well, I know a lot of orthopedic surgeons tend to be ex-athletes, and, and I think that uh, gives you two things. It gives you well many things, but one is was empathy and I tore my ACL when I was a junior and um, you were at Columbia Columbia University I was a double major took up space and time but uh, it was a real big epiphany for me because I realized I couldn't play football the rest of my life even though I was hoping for like a tryout somewhere and I realized I had to start studying and I met a wonderful doctor on our team and I just suddenly wanted to become become him so my GPA went up a whole point and when I I went back to senior year and I lost my starting position, but uh, I was, uh, you know, I, st- I still finished it out, but I realized how much the knee injury really meant. And and uh, it was a it was a challenge. But the other thing football gives you is character. You have to get up, fight back. Uh, you know, every time you get knocked down, you have a choice. Either you quit or you get up. And, and you know, you're in a tough case. You just say, am I going to stop now? And the third thing he talks about, you know, really the, or gives you is a sense of the team. The team's always everything. And we have a healthcare team and, you know, it's not about me. It's about, you know, the greater good, the patient, the nurses, the anesthesia. And when I was a resident, I think I was always good about not dumping work on other people. And so it does cultivate uh, a good sense of teamwork. And it's one of the biggest predictors of success in residency is a varsity sport. If you look at uh, military and varsity athletes, they, it's one of the highest predictors of outcome during residency. I thought that was very interesting. Is it because they're driven or the teamwork? Discipline. 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 Yeah. Teamwork and discipline. That's right. Character. It's been said that leadership is character and character is leadership. I, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, the reason I was bringing up your family, I, I seem to recall, I mean, you probably remember my story about our son. I remember, didn't your mother lose two? My mother lost a, a few children. She had... She lost two right after us that were baptized, and she had a couple uh, miscarriages. But the two were Albert and Joseph, my twin twin brothers, that um, were baptized. So when I'm in a bind in the R, guess who I pray to? Come on, Al. Come on, Joe. You're up there. I know you are. I remember you telling me this like 10, 15 years ago. Well, I remember, you know, I never get that story. You have a saint to pray to, and I do too. And um, August 15th, I call my mom. I call every day, but I always give her a little extra time that was the day that they were born they were born geez 10 months after mike and me and they were preemies she had a placenta previa and they they would have been probably around today but it's a it's a wonderful thing to say you got two little saints in heaven they were baptized they were gone in two days so you feel their presence in the or when you're i feel something i feel something 
I feel something bigger than myself every day, honestly. But, but you have to really practice presence to get that. You can't just say, well, I feel God. You have to really quiet your mind and resign yourself to something bigger than yourself. And that's, that's how I do the comedy shows. I don't get nervous like I used to. Just come on, let's go. Let's do it. Because it's not about me. You figure what's the worst that can happen anyway. What's going to happen Yeah, say you're fat and ugly. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the uh, truth is that it's not about me. And I tell other comedians, young comedians, just focus on the crowd. What are you doing for the crowd? What are you doing for them to make them happy? Just get out of yourself. Don't say, how am I doing? Just breathe, stay present. And you'll get tough crowds once in a while that will heckle you. And this is where the mentorship comes in. I've other comedians say, just keep smiling. Stick to your script. Just keep smiling. The last benefit I did, my daughter saw a side of me. You know, the city kid, someone was heckling me, and I got a little edgy. Oh, really? So I started, like, basically calling him out. She goes, Dad, I never saw that side of you. Well, it was all taken. It was all kind of in good fun, but I basically, you know, said something like, Can you stand up, please? I know what you are. I want to see what, see what one looks like. Um, but what, are your, what are your kids doing these days? The twins are, are I'm just, we're so proud of them. Uh, Mary Elizabeth is teaching uh, school in Houston. She did Teacher America for two years crushed it and now she's department chair of her grade school in houston in language arts and she's um taking a wonderful guy i just don't see her she's in houston so uh that's a bummer and Anne Marie is wants to go to medical school she ran track in college at um my daughters let's face it but they got their mother's looks and brains thank god they both were brainiacs um mary elizabeth went to penn and uh, did very well there, and Anne Marie went to Notre Dame and ran track, and so her GPA suffered. But uh, she's taking classes now, and she's taking the MCATs in January. So we couldn't be more proud. And I'm happy to say, uh, my wife and I'll be married 29 years, October 11th. She still can't keep her hands off me, but that's uh, another story. We, that's a whole other discussion. What do you think about um, since we're talking about the kids? So your kids were involved in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's the children in sports today is a big topic, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to things like football, concussions, injuries, overuse. What do you? I, I, you're not a pediatric orthopedic, but I see kids. Do you see kids? Yeah, yeah I see kids. What, what do you think about the current state of? What do you think? I have to sports? Well, kids sports. I think we have to just um, using the paradigm that we mentioned earlier, but happy doctors get better. Happy athletes, Andy, do better. They perform better. And Did this, you see this kids being no, no. So what's happened is that intensity is, is just gone out of control. The parents often, not every parent, but are overly invest in the child's career. Not everybody's going to play in the major leagues. Not everybody's going to be a you know first round draft pick. They've taken the joy out of the game. And I've actually crossed the line where I've actually held kids out of competition when they are marginal because I knew they needed a break. They needed a break. The, I see them sigh relief. I say, you're not going to play this week. That's not the purpose of sports. So what's happened is we see this explosion of stressors, and I, I call it the trifecta of, of negative outcomes. The kids choke because they're not doing it for themselves. The parents don't work on their own stuff, and their marriage goes into married singles. And the team suffers because these kids that are pressed uniformly choke in the big game. So it's the negative trifecta. And the way you get around that is you just tell the kids, you say, you know, how much fun are you having? Sometimes in a rare time, I'll get them alone and I'll say, who are you doing this for? My how dad. How do they say your dad or my parents? Well, I, I, I read their eyes. Yeah. I mean, you cover a football game too. If someone gets a little hurt, you look at their eyes and you tell them who wants to go back in, who doesn't. And very often, they don't want to go back in. So I keep them out. It's a, it's a sad thing. I'm very, very attuned to this because my dad was a good guy. We drank. 
That's where I get all this enlightenment from. <laughs> and uh, he uh, pushed us in the sports. And uh, I didn't. I, I played four years of Division One football. I didn't enjoy a single moment because I knew I was doing it for somebody else. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Say a picture of you as a kid, maybe playing all sports. Oh, I did. I did. I was, you know, thank God, a gifted athlete. I just didn't enjoy it much because I knew kind of I was deep down inside who I was doing it for. So I said, number one, when my wife and I were blessed with children, I would never do it to our kids. And I'd have conversations and say, you know, if you really want to do this, daddy will help you. And, you know, I coached track at their high school and taught them a little bit of basketball fundamentals and never taught them wrestling although they know a couple moves and they do they do know some boxing combinations <laughs> but um i said you know if you really want to do this for you then daddy will help you so i'm proud to say that Anne marie became a gifted track uh, athlete she uh, got an Notre dame she ran track there and mary elizabeth uh just had an interest in shot putting and i did that in high school and college and i said mary uh, if you want to do this i'm on board so i just spent one day a week with her and she has three high school school records right now. Wow. So it's like, and because she liked it. She well, had say, fun. They sound like they enjoyed it a lot more. They enjoyed it. My twin brother and I, my, my dad was a good guy, but the alcohol percolated everything. And, you know, he did the kind of like, we could tell we were doing it as an extension of himself. And um, I think back of the, uh, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, how much better an athlete I would have been had I just done it for fun. Is there a solution, though, to this? I, mean, I think I, I've, I've heard this for the last the, 10 years. the solution is is a lot of family therapy <laughs> and that's that's really comes down to and then you had to have an enlightened doctor to seize the problem and recognize it before kids self-destruct and become miserable and uh, you know sort of uh, sort of lose their their adolescence I didn't really have a fun college and high school gig because I was you know I lost <clears throat> some very important wrestling matches in overtime because I just when you're, it's time to reach down, you know, it's not really for you. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was. But, but you I have a passion for medicine. Well, I have a passion for medicine. So medicine was on my own terms. I chose that vocation and I take all those competitive energies. And being the always like being on the athletic field, you, you have every case you do, you get better and better and better. And you always try to make it uh, better than the last, you know, game, if you will. So it's uh, it does uh, give you a great outlet for competitive energies, but in a good edifying way because you're helping somebody. It's a double, uh, you know, double blessing because you're trying to get better and better and better at your vocation. And I don't say profession because it's a vocation, it's a calling. I get upset when they say profession. A profession, I think of, uh, you know, expertise and charging someone. Medicine is first and foremost a vocation, a calling. And if you live that calling, you don't have to work a day of your life. It's not really work for me. Is it still fun? It's still, it's more fun than ever. I talk to a lot of it's still and fun, but you have some to. Some will say it's just not fun anymore. It is not. fun. It is fun. You have to keep focusing on the meaning, and just keep uh, re sort of centering. And you got to keep the demons at bay too. And you know there are definitely some challenges, but you just have to reconnect every day with why you're doing this. It's not about the Benjamins. It's not about fame. It's about just the service vocation. And if you do that, then I think it's it gets more fun for me because I'm as you get better and better at your uh, at your craft. You know, the stress kind of gets less and less because you're just doing things out of a, almost out of a instinct versus thinking about it. Yeah, you said you're at the beginning of this conversation. You think you're a better surgeon now. No, qu- no question. No question. Experience. You know, experience and fitness are deadly combination. Just take care of yourself. I still work out. I watch my diet. 
and uh, control stress, get plenty of sleep. Sleep's yeah, people been... don't realize these standing there. They think, well, how hard that can that be? You're standing there operating on somebody. But... Totally in the moment. Yeah. And it, this time goes just goes by. But don't forget that uh, we're in a sleep crisis now, too. No one gets enough sleep. I love my sleep. I love my sleep. Love my sleep. <laughs> if I don't get my I know sleep. exactly how much I need, too. Me, too. If I don't get seven hours, I'm like, eh, yeah. marginal. Yeah. If I get seven, eight, and I'm, I can, as we say, I can jam. <laughs> if I get six, I'm like, yeah, like today I'm yawning. I had full trouble uh, sleeping last night. The, the air conditioning is kind of on the fritz when, uh, you know, our, our neighborhood's so hot that uh, last night I saw two trees fighting over a dog. <laughs> Anywhere to fit in those jokes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so... Uh, it's been a great ride. I think the other message people need to learn is to enjoy the journey. Enjoy. Don't just have this so I can get to that. One of the key things uh, that many medical families do is they damage their loved ones. Well, I'll get through. I'll build this practice up, and then we can do this later. No, no. It's no time like the present. It's just the relationships drive the, the engine. And I, can, I couldn't do these things without the support and love of my wife. I just couldn't do it. You know, it's what a, do you do though? Like concrete things. That you can well, we we have date night every Friday. We teach uh, married couples pre cana Okay. And we always have. I I've learned the hard way not to bring work home. I'll stay a little later. Everyone finished trying to answer some emails. Not to bring work home. Be present to your wife. We have dinner together. Now we're empty nesters, and uh, we we cultivate romance. You know, the, we try our best. I know this sounds a little loose. Be a passionate couple. There's nothing wrong with being passionate. In your 50s. I mean, and I think that's very important. Cultivate the passion. Cultivate the romance. Um, be your best friend. Take the shots when you have to. Sometimes, uh, you know, we both go through some tough weeks. Uh, her mom and my mom are both aging, and we uh, we take some shots from uh, just sometimes illness. But you have to always, at the end of the day, just regroup and say, this relationship is more important than anything. And if we start feeling like we're growing apart, it's like urgency to heal. Urgency. Don't let another day go by and say, we need to get back on cat track here. Let's go away tomorrow night. How do you guys do as a team? She, you're a straight person or do you guys... Play she's very straight and she's Polish. So I have a whole, like, just uh, <laughs> oh, litany of Polish jokes. Wow. Uh, and she's been a good sport about it. And the irony, she's better than I am, but, you know, I was... And she's a nurse, right? She's a nurse. She's a ICU nurse. She was, she was in, the, in the trenches for many years, you know, taking care of death and dying, which is something I had an aversion to. But um, she's endured her share of wife jokes, Polish jokes. She's a fantastic cook, and I, you know, I've ragged about her cooking, which is unbelievably unfair to her because you know it takes me an hour to make minute rice. She's unbelievable. She can uh, <laughs> she whip up a casserole like uh, I believe. So it's all good. It sounds like you're happy. I'm happy. It takes a lot of work, though. Yeah. Pretty yeah. satisfied of what you're doing. Absolutely. I'm a, you know, I think that you have a choice, so you can focus on all that's good in your life, or you can just get caught in all the negative mantras, but it's just one patient at a time. Who are the tougher patients to take? Or I don't want to say tougher. Um, so I have to think so a high school kid blows out his ACL. That's easily repairable. The kid can go on to a good life. Yeah. How do you treat like uh, older people who you might not be able to help as dramatically? Is it tough to see? It's, it's tough, but you know, a kind word is a long way. There's a lot of people that are just end stage arthritis and I give injections, a kind word, and you know, you never, 
you don't play the blame game, you know. It's a tough thing to live with. It is a tough thing to live with. And um, like, like I said, a kind word goes a long way. And uh, you offer them hope. You know, it's I always say truth cloaked in optimism. Yeah, you had a bad, pretty bad arthritic knee, but you know what? With these injections, with this brace, uh, with this rehab, I bet you'll be a lot better. And then oftentimes they are. Your words are so powerful. And the placebo effect is very, very important too. And you don't want to use it as a charlatan, but it's predicated on uh, not only the belief of the patient in the treatment, but also the belief of the physician in the treatment. So, uh, and also the amount of extravagance. I give these lubricant injections, you know, the hyaluronic acid. And one of the reasons they work is because it's so expensive. Plus, <laughs> I, t- plus I tell the patient, uh, you know, I think it's going to work. So, is there one key that you figured to long life and happiness? Yeah. I mean, not happiness, but um, I've always heard keep moving. Keep moving only, but I, I think a big part of it is uh, spirituality and also, it's going to sound very trite, but eat less. Eat less. Just yeah. eat less. Don't eat a lot. It's tough in America. It's tough in America, but I just try to, you know, uh, the the Okinawans, you know, they have most centenarians, and they have this practice called Hadi Hichibu. They just leave the table not quite full. And you'd be surprised. You have more energy, and uh, you sleep better, and uh, it's nice feeling thin. You know, it's it's a challenge, but, you know, salads and, you know, vegetables. And I think the mindfulness thing, keeping your mind quiet is the key to a long life. Quiet your mind every day. Every day. I have a practice. I get up in the morning, I read a little scripture, and I also quiet my mind, a little mindfulness thing. And, and I used to get workouts all the time in the morning, but I, I'd rather sleep than workouts. So I get workouts on weekends, and you know, I do like sissy workouts during the week, but I take the steps, and, and I'm really compulsive about my diet. I think it's key. I know you have that column, but do you give, do you sort of counsel other surgeons and other doctors one-on-one sometimes? I, I do, and and. It's because sometimes they don't, sometimes they don't but it's, um, there's a machismo in orthopedics so people don't want to look out for help. They just think, I'll be okay. And asking for help is a sign of weakness, which is nothing further than the truth. Oh, yeah, and the athletes in these people. It's a lot of athletes. So like, what will happen is we actually, about 10 years ago, got a bunch of guys together that were suffering from malpractice, stress, or seasoned doctors like I am. So let's just have about 10 people that are getting some training that can counsel younger doctors to get sued for the first time. I remember my first lawsuit... <clears throat> devastating well we had the service all set through our academy no one called us they're too afraid too ashamed to admit they're suffering so what I do get now is I get personal emails hey John you know, I'm going through a tough time do you have time to talk sure you know I, I don't profess to be Father Kelly by no means but I have had my share of uh, suffering in my life with the, the upbringing and everything and and I think it just cultivates empathy. And people say, I'm having a hard time saying, I, I, I get it. I get it. You know, there was about 15 years ago when I was at, at uh, Temple where I uh, got sued. My dad was dying of Parkinson's and my grandmother passed away. And I was like rock bottom. And I was like, holy jeez. And I got sued for like sexual dysfunction after an ACL. It was just totally crazy. But I had to, I had to, I had to go through. Uh, I'm like, you know, I don't know what you're doing, pal. It never stopped me, my ACL. But um, the... Uh, that was my rock bottom. That's when I had to start reevaluating, like look at the way I looked at life. Took a stress management course, got into therapy, got reconnected with God as I knew Him, and I was really dedicated to wellness. You know, I was like, you know what? I was sick all the time. I developed an eye infection. It was really serious. Something's got to change. That was my rock bottom. Yeah, that's the biggest difference I noticed about you, as opposed to say when I knew you ten, fifteen years ago. 
the whole wellness, happiness, the yeah, yeah. it's important to you now. It's important because then I just feel like I'm in uh, sort of a happiness recovery and trying to share because I see a lot of damaged families. I like the word damaged. And the thing I learned, the paradigm shift is when you get things well with, with your loved ones, that's the engine fuel. That's what drives the machine. Don't, boy, I was in that, in that drinking the Kool-Aid that I'm going to make it as a doc and then, then everything be fine. In the meantime, you damage your family and you wake up like, I don't know this person. And then you just can't be happy. I could told you before I could do, you know, seven great surgeries. And if my wife's mad at me, it means nothing. If I don't know my daughters, it means nothing. So that fuels the fire, fuels the flames, emotions, relationships. So get therapy when it's needed, quiet your mind, and uh, make relationships an absolute premium in your life. Great advice. <laughs> it's been great catching up with you. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Well, now I got your cell phone yeah, and your email. <laughs> and if you get me a... Yeah. Uh, thank you for your time. So uh, do you have any questions? you want some water or coffee or anything? No, I got some vodka in the car. <laughs>